What an incredible way to start church today, right? I mean, yeah, let's thank the Lord together. You see, there's something that only Jesus can do in the hearts of people. Only Jesus can do it. We've lived through an incredible time in our culture where where people are looking for physical answers, financial answers, political answers, cultural answers, and they're just not going to be there. They will never satisfy. They don't work. But Jesus will. That's it. Jesus will. And I am deeply, deeply thankful for you today. And I'm thankful for those of you in our online family. Listen, at the core of who we are as humanity, only Christ can redeem who we are and change what we have to offer. You are deeply loved this morning for all of you here and all of you in our online family. Welcome to all of our friends, our family, and our loved ones. Holly and Neil, what a great way to do church today. With those around you, your life group, your family, this is why we do church. So today when we talk about step two and overcoming, I write uh, certain things in my life in a personal and private spot in my journal, things that God says to me. And in this series, I had determined very early on through the midst of COVID that what I write, I would share. That very deeply, very personally, where I'm walking in moments that are very deep and personal and real, some of them painful, some of them ugly, some of them very challenging, even to faith, that as I wrote, I would share. And so today we go to lesson number two. How do you overcome? How do you overcome when the world is stacked against you, when you are battling things that no one else is going to see, no one else is going to know, when you look at your past, when you look at where you've come from, some of that may be beautiful, some of that may be deeply disturbing and very challenging. But how do you overcome that? How do you move through that, move past that? How do you embrace who you are and what God wants to do in the midst of where you come from? And so these are some of the things that I've written for you from me. Things that I believe will help us as people become who God created us to be. So today we go to Genesis chapter 3. Back to the beginning. Remember in this series, it's not complicated. It's not difficult. There are some basics to life that we need to understand. And when you go through moments of challenge and crisis, whether it's public, whether it's something that is in the culture, or whether it's something personal and private, you need to find answers that are anchors for your soul. In Genesis chapter 3 is a great reminder of who you are, of who I am, of who we are. And when we begin to to discover who we are in light of who God is, then we can overcome and move forward together. Genesis chapter 3, will you stand with me in honor of the word of God? For this is God's word to us, and he speaks through it to anyone who would listen. In Genesis chapter 3, I'll read from the New International Version, the translation today. And for those of you that have that, you'll be able to follow along. For those of you who are reading different or who are online, the words will be on the screen for you. And the Bible says this, the third chapter of the first book of Scripture. The Bible says this, Now the serpent, the serpent, he was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. 
You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable. It was desirable, desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? It's a great question. Where are you? Where are you? He answered and he said, I heard you speaking to God. I heard you. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. And God said to him, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman Look out now. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So the Lord God then said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the snake. The devil made me do it. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God then said to the serpent. Because you, to the serpent, because you have done this, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you to adam he said because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree about which i told you you must not eat from it cursed is the world cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife 
and the Lord God covered them. Let's pray together. Father, there is truth in your word that tells us who we are. So sincerely and sovereignly, my prayer is that you would open each heart in this room and online for us in just a moment to realize not only who we are, but who you are and what that means in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Life change is needed in all of us. And, and there is this reality in life that in each of us, we come from somewhere. When you look at the story, the very first story of Scripture, you see that Adam and Eve were placed in a garden of perfection. And last week, we talked about the gift of life. Step one in overcoming anything that comes at you is to realize life is a gift. It is a gift from God. And therefore, as a gift, we need to live it, and we need to give it. We need to live it fully, and we need to give it our all. doesn't matter where you come from, what you're walking through. Life is a gift. Adam, as even reflected in this verse, you as even reflected in this verse, myself as even reflected in this passage, we are but dust. But because of the breath of God, the Spirit of God, He has made our particles living. And that is a gift. But this next part of Genesis teaches us something about the gift of life. And this is a very personal moment that I wrote out in discovery over this period of time that we've all walked through different feelings, emotions, changes, shifts. And one of the things that I have discovered that's very important for us to embrace is that you, me, us, we are human. We're human. And today I want to talk to you about what it means to be human. See, there's, there's this reality that I know most people struggle with. You struggle with it, I struggle with it, believers struggle with it, unbelievers struggle with it. And that is that in our lives, we desire the perfection of life as is reflected in this story, as in the garden. We try to build our lives in the most beautiful, covered experience that we possibly can. We want to paint a picture of perfect humanity for ourselves to believe in, for others to believe in, for the world to believe in. And that's what we work so hard at. We work so hard by the sweat of our brow through most of our life, if we're not careful, in an expression to return to a perfection of a garden that does not exist anymore. And truly, genuinely, because we have been created in the image of God. We were but dust, and God breathed life into us. Therefore, you and I are destined as people. Whether church-going people or unchurched people, we are destined as people to strive after a divine image for our life. It is hardwired into the dust of our DNA. It's who we are. And yet, the Bible teaches us that in the midst of this struggle 
to be divine and to be our best, there is a genuine, authentic, inescapable reality that we are human. We are fallen. We are broken. Our emotions are broken. Our bodies are broken. Our thoughts are broken. Who we are in our striving to be the best, to show the best, to pretend to be the best, and yet in reality to be fallen, to want to be better than we are, and yet for those around us they see that we are not. That is what it means to be human. And I'm going to tell you something today. Are you ready for this? Because if you want to overcome in your life, you need to embrace this. I have to embrace this. We have to embrace this. Are you ready? It's okay to be human. It's okay to be a man, to be a woman, to be a child, to be a student, to be a person. It's okay to be living dust. And when I look at this passage, what I realize the struggle of our humanity deals with is that desire to be back to an original state of perfection, even if we don't know God, don't desire a relationship with God, which some people, that's who you are. You don't, and yet, what do you live your life for? To be better than you are. That's what happens. Why? Because it's how we were created. It's how we were made. And the Bible teaches us this lesson. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down, this life lesson. There is a beauty in being human. And the beauty of being human exists in the totality of our brokenness, of our fallenness, of our sinfulness. The beauty of being human exists in the totality of that covered by the perfection of his redemption. The beauty of being human is embracing the totality of our brokenness which is only covered by the perfection of the redemption of a perfect God and a perfect Savior. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot do it. From the beginning of time to the current time and generation that we live in, brokenness is a part of who we are. Fallenness exists in humanity to our core. All you have to do is read the news. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is look in the mirror. That's all you have to do. You begin to realize that there is this problem present within us. And the challenge that I've realized for a lot of you as we visited and as we've worked through this season of life together, let's be honest. It's not a worldly problem alone. It's a Christian problem. It doesn't matter what label you want to call yourself. Call yourself Baptist, Pentecostal, Independent, Catholic, Presbyterian. doesn't matter what label. I have discovered that even for those who claim the name of Christ, this is a very deep and personal issue. We don't want to acknowledge our humanity. We want to hide it. We think that there's something holy in this desire to paint this image that quite frankly is not true of who we are. We have not learned to embrace who we are in being human. And once we begin to learn who we are in being human, then and only then can something happen on the inside that turns us from our brokenness toward his 
perfect redemption. And when I see that, I begin to understand some things that Adam and Eve teach me that I think are important for us as we grow together in realizing it's okay to be human. So how do you become the best human that you can be? How do you turn from this brokenness and move from a reality that that perfect garden does not exist anymore? The perfect garden exists in heaven, and that is the place we long for. But until then, living in a broken world with broken people, how do you become the best human you can be? Well, first and foremost, when I read this passage, I learn something about God. And I learn something about myself. And this echoes not only for me, but this echoes for us as we think about who he is and we think about who we are. The beauty of being human exists in the totality of our fallenness, which is only covered by the perfection of his redemption. And so when I think about who I am, I realize that I as a person, you as a person, we as people, we are created in the image of God. First and foremost, we are created in his image. But friends, family, loved ones, we are not God. Humanity teaches us, embracing our humanity teaches us that yes, we are created in the image of God. And that means a lot to be created in his image. It's why we long for something more than what we are. But there is this truth, likewise, being created in the image of God, still though we are not him. We are not God. There is no way that we can be God. It doesn't matter how you dress it. You can put pig lipstick on the pig and it's still a pig, right? You can clean it up, bathe it up, cover it up. It's still going to be there. We are created in his image, divine in a certain element. In the reality that, yes, your soul is going to live forever. The Bible is very clear about that. That your time in a broken garden is present and real and it's painful and it exists. But it's temporary here and eternal forever somewhere. Somewhere. And that somewhere either allows you to return by his redemption to a perfect garden. Or to continue to live forever in a state of brokenness and turmoil. You choose. We are created in the image of God. But we are not God. And therefore, to learn the beauty of being human is to embrace the brokenness of who we are. In recognition also of the perfection of the redemption that only God can bring. Only a divine, perfect God could bring. When I look at this passage, here's what it means. Listen, one of my favorite verses throughout this entire season of life. I've shared it a few times. I share it again. It's recorded in the Old Testament. It's recorded in the New. And I love the way that it's pitched in the New. Someone that's really smart wants to trick Jesus. Everybody always wants to pull one over the wool of Jesus. But you just can't do that to divinity. You just can't do that to perfection. Jesus being the Son of God and perfect in every way. When someone said, hey Jesus, how do you summarize the book? How do you summarize what happened in the beginning, carried on through history, even now you're alive and until the end, how do you summarize it? And Jesus said, you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. 
You will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Why would Jesus say that? Why is that recorded in the Old Testament and again in the New? Why? Because my friends, my family, my loved ones, you were created in the image of God. And therefore, to love God, to live, to exist as a human is to know that I am heart. And therefore, I feel. I have emotions. I have love. I have brokenness. I have pain. So do you. That I am soul at the end of the day for each of us. Fight it, battle it, embrace it. It doesn't matter. There is an element to your creation as a person that is divine. There is a glimmer of the divine in all of us. It's why you matter. And that glimmer of divine is because you were created to be a living soul. It is heart and it is soul. That's who we are. And when God breathed his pneuma, his breath, into that first dust, that first Adam, and therefore then created also that Eve, so too it was the beginning of life for you and for me. And you are heart, you have feeling, you have emotion, and you are soul. You are divine. There is something about you that wants to reach out and touch the hand of God in the garden. You are not only heart and soul, but you are mind. You are mind. And in the mind of God early on, it was the mind of God that created everything that we know. There's no Einstein that has ever existed that could figure out everything about the universe that we know. Yes, we know a lot today, and therefore we think in our generation of technical advance and medical advance and knowledge advance and physical advance, we're just better than everybody else, including God. That's what we think. Why? Because we were created as beings to have a mind, to use it to think, to figure things out, to process information. That's how we were made. But where did it come from? From the only mind that has every answer, every detail, that actually knew what it meant to split an atom or for cells to continue to grow, for life to exist from nothing. By, way, by the way, your life exists out of nothing. Only God can create something out of total brokenness and nothing. Only God can do that. That is the power of the mind of God. But what did he do? He placed that inside of you. And therefore, created in the image of God, you are heart, you are soul, you are mind, you are strong. You are a physical being. It doesn't matter the shape, the form, the function of your physical body. Some of them work well. Some of them are challenged. Some of them are challenged by our own design. Some of them are challenged by nothing to do with anything you've ever done, chosen, or happened to you. It just exists. And yet... In God's creation, by God's image, the body has been given to you as a sign that you are heart, you are soul, you are mind, and you are strength. And all of those make you human, make you exist. Why? Because, friends, you were created in the image of an incredible, loving, awesome, all-powerful God, but your humanity teaches you, you are not him. I am not him. We are not God. 
The Bible shows us that embracing our humanity then opens our eyes from our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength to this need to be redeemed by the one who made us, who can fix us in the midst of our brokenness. And so we look at this and we realize we are created in his image, but we are not God. Secondly, here's what we do as humans. And we need to understand this about who we are. We run and we hide, but God pursues. We run and we hide from him, but he pursues. There is none of us in our humanity, in our brokenness, brokenness. There is none of us that can run too far from the outstretched hand of God who continues to pursue to reach us. We run in our sinfulness, we hide and we try to cover our shame. We try to cover our humanity and we try to prevent, we try to pretend that in our pridefulness we have no problems. We are divinity. We have it figured out. And yet seasons like the world is going through remind us, no 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 no. We don't. We can't fix it. We don't know. Even the best of us can't solve it. There is a God who made us in his image. We can do our best our entire life to try to run from him and hide from him. But he will always, always, always pursue. And he will pursue no matter how bad or broken of a human you think you are. Put yourself in Adam and Eve's shoes for just a moment. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, they had a perfect world. They had a perfect life. They had it all put together. And it all fell apart because God had given them something to do or rather not do. And they just couldn't even keep away. Before you go beating yourself up over your humanity, just back up for just a minute and realize that even Adam and Eve, listen, very little responsibility. They weren't raising kids, right, at this point yet. No pain in childbirth. They're having a great life, and they couldn't even keep the rules. And God was walking with them in the perfect garden. So they stumble. They fall. They express their brokenness, their humanity, to remind them that they are only a fraction of the divinity of God, but not divine in fullness, not like him and so when they fall, they show us at the core who we are. Our entire human existence, we will run and hide. And we will try that. We will run from God. We will run from his word. We will run from his ways. And we will try to hide who we are. We will try to hide what ails us, what pains us. We will try to keep that from the one who can bring it to redemption. We can try to keep that from the one who can rescue us from it. That's what we will spend our lives trying to do, but not God. God will spend our lives as we try to run and hide, pursuing, 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 pursuing. And the entire word of scripture is all about God pursuing people just like you, just like me. He pursues people who recognize I'm human, I'm broken. And I need redemption. I need someone better to help me fix this. And so 
As Adam and Eve run and hide, God walks in the garden and pursues. Don't think that you run and hide. Hey, have you played this out in your life like Adam and Eve? Because it's interesting how God, this is like the greatest story ever. Because God legitimately goes to every major player in this circumstance. And every major player, he tracks down the problem. This is beautiful because this will help you embrace the freedom of who you are in Christ and as a child of God. God tracks it down. And this is what we do to hide, to run from God. I mean, you laughed at it, but it happens. God says, hey, Adam, what did you do? How did you mess this up? I mean, come on. And Adam says, it was her fault. And that's what happens. Look at it. I mean, so many times, I mean, that's the reality is that sometimes people go, oh, men, it was her fault. It was her fault. It was that person's fault. So God then goes, and this is beautiful because I want you to understand this. He then goes to Eve. Eve, how'd you mess this up? What'd you do? It was great. And now it's not what happened. It was the devil's fault. The devil made me do it, right? <laughs> hey, listen, I can remember as a child when I would do something and my sweet saint of a mother would say to me, why did you do that when I told you not to? I thought I could get away with it and maybe get out of the whooping that was coming if I said the devil made me do it. That didn't work either. Because yeah, she would still discipline me for correction to point me in a better direction yeah but in my brokenness i thought i could pass it out on satan surely a good christian would accept that answer right so then god goes to the root and i want you to catch this it's not that we get to shun and shirk responsibility god had to have everyone answer for their brokenness he went to every person in the problem but he did track it down to the source. He did go to the root of the issue. You need to understand that as you embrace your humanity. He went to the issue and he went to the serpent who was more crafty than any other created being. Now I'm not going to go into a theological discourse on why did God create the devil. All right, but here's the reality. You get a choice. You get a choice on who you embrace in the midst of your humanity. There's some great thoughts on why God created the devil. The main thing you need to understand is God created him. So will you follow the creator or the created? And in the midst of this, God tracks all the way back to the ultimate source of accountability. And he says, you, you, you have broken what I made perfect. You have cursed my most precious pinnacle of creation, the people that I have made that are but human, and you will suffer forever. You will have your head crushed by the heel of the seed of this woman. He will strike you down because of what you've done. Believer in Christ, that is part of you embracing the beginning of your redemption and your humanity because even then God gave a pathway for your recreation as a human. 
He gave a pathway that in the midst of your brokenness, there would be someone who would step on the head of the one who did it all. So that is a reality. We can pass responsibility so much. We can run and hide, but God will always pursue you. You can pass it on, but God will still chase. He will still walk in the garden of this world, broken and fallen, just to reestablish a relationship with you and to deal with the one who screwed it all up to begin with. There's a third thing that stands out in this passage as we move on. The reality of us as human is that we don't listen most of the time. But God calls. Most of the time in our humanity, which is a beautiful thing created in the image of God, most of the time we just don't listen. We don't listen to him. We don't listen to wisdom. It's why this fascinating book called Proverbs in the Old Testament, which I love and have read during this time, Solomon calls over and over again, listen, my son, my daughter, my children, listen, listen, listen. Why do you have to say as a parent, listen to your children? Because they don't listen. Why do you say it over and over again? Why does the Bible say to you and I, listen, listen to the word of the Lord? Why does God say to Adam and Eve, listen? Why? Because most of the time, we don't listen. We are right. We fight for it. We'll stand for it. It's a part of our broken humanity. But in the midst of us not listening to the Lord, guess what God never ceases to do? Adam and Eve, they were living in shame. They were running and hiding. They were behind the bushes. They heard the Lord of the God, the Lord God. They heard the voice of the Lord God as he walked through the garden and he called. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you living? Where are you hiding? Where are you running? Where are you thinking? Where are you going? What are you doing? In the midst of the brokenness, the shamefulness, and the humanity expressed in the depth of this moment, God was faithful and he still called out. I mean, here's the thing. Do you not think that God didn't know? That's the irony of it all. Adam and Eve thought that. We can hide from him. We can cover it up with fig leaves. We can pretend it's not there. But God showed up. He knew. God had a choice, and I want you to embrace this in the moment of your humanity and where you are. You see, they knew they were broken. They knew they were human. They knew they were messed up. And God had a choice. He could have just not shown up. He could have just not reached out. He could have just said, I know what happened. They are not worth it. And so poof, it's all done. We will recreate it. We will undo it. We will start it again. He could have just forgotten about the whole thing because he's God. And yet he took a risk. He took a gamble on you. He took a risk to say, 
that in this brokenness of their humanity, there is this beauty. There is this presence. There is this creation. There is this design in them as humans that is worth redemption. And though they hide, I will pursue. And though they sit in silence and cover, I will call. And God called out. My friends, in the midst of wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, God is calling out to you. And he'll never stop. He'll never stop pursuing. And he'll never stop calling. It doesn't matter who you are as a human. That's who he is. And embracing our humanity allows us to experience this beauty, this perfection of redemption of a God that chases when we run. Of a God that calls when we hide. Of a God that's present when we don't want him to be. When we're not sure where he is. It won't change it. That's who God is. We don't listen most of the time. We blame. We try to skirt responsibility. We try to cover. But God redeems. God calls. He reaches. And ultimately what this passage shows us is. There are these things that God would say to the serpent. That he would say to the woman that he would say to the man. And those things are very important. Those are not things, by the way, to blame. Listen, the blame game was already played in Scripture, so stop playing it today. Stop blaming the woman. Men, stop blaming her. Ladies, stop blaming the man. Stop, stop blaming the devil. Right? Start pursuing listening to God. Start opening up in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your humanity, to what God would say to you. Not to me. To you. We all have our humanity in which we need God to speak. But when we begin to open up and we begin to hear and listen and recognize the God who pursues, we won't blame like they did. And yes, there, there are these realities that, ladies, it hurts to bear a child. Thank you, Eve. But hey, it's a part of your humanity. And in the midst of pain, there's beauty. In the midst of brokenness, there's joy. In the midst of humanity, there's still the presence of divinity. It's okay to be human. It's okay to embrace that life is a gift. Gentlemen, yeah, cursed is the ground because of us. And it will bear, our jobs will bear, bear thistles and thorns. That's what life will look like. You will earn your living by the sweat of your brow, but you get to sweat. You get to earn. You get to live. It's a part of being human. It's a part of being a creation in the presence and in the hand moldable by God where you get to embrace that. And the final thing, after all this is said and done, that the passage ends... With this reality, and this is the fourth and final thing, and I close with this. The passage ends with this reality that you and I, as humanity, <clears throat> we create destruction, but God redeems. We create destruction, but God fixes. 
We create brokenness. We pursue the wrong things. We think the wrong way. We break things more and more and more. But God is the one who redeems it. And in this passage, it's interesting because Adam had named everything else. But in this last verse that we read, it's powerful. There's a story of redemption that's present. First of all, there's this story of redemption toward his wife. Because in this passage, in the midst of their brokenness, it starts with blame, but it ends with redemption. Adam then, for the first time, by the way, he names her Eve. And he calls her Eve, which is endearing in brokenness. He says, this woman, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this challenge, in the midst of all of this, she shall be called Eve because she still will be the mother of all the living. He pays her the greatest compliment in the midst of their greatest brokenness. He redeems a fallen moment in her life and builds it up to be something that would be beautiful. You exist because of that. That's a beautiful thing. And then God does something for Adam and Eve. And if you're, if you're a good Bible-believing Christian and you've been in church your whole life or done your catechisms and your study, you know this perhaps, but don't miss it. God does something that had never been done before. God took a life to cover a life. God did something that had never been done before. In the perfection of the garden, this didn't have to happen. But once this recklessness of humanity took hold and brokenness and fallenness began to enter the world, God did something that was extreme. He took a life which meant the shedding of blood of an animal that had done nothing wrong to cover those that he loved the most. He did something to cover those that he loved the most. And the Bible shows us right here that in the brokenness of humanity, the perfection of God's redemption begins. This full display of who God is, even in our reckless world. That God would take an innocent life and he would sacrifice that innocent life to cover those he loved the most. Now when you think about that, that God would sacrifice the Son of God, his own Son, Jesus, innocent, perfect, without flaw, had done nothing wrong, didn't deserve it, shouldn't have done it. We would say didn't have to, but in the midst of that, the wisdom mind of God, the great love in the heart of God, the soul and the spirit of God and the power of God of which we have been created in his image. All of that came to full display in this moment that says, yes, you are human and you are broken and you will fail and you will fall. But in the beauty of who you are, 
I love you that much. You are the pinnacle of everything that I made. And therefore, in that moment, God made a covering. A covering for shame. A covering for sin. A covering for brokenness. A covering for humanity. And do you know where the power of the covering for you today comes from? The moment you decide to put it on. The moment you decide to put it on. You see, you can live in your humanity. You can say, my power exists in who I am, but it'll never work. It'll never work. The moment that we say as people, you know, I am human and therefore I need to be covered. And I choose the covering of redemption that God would provide. You see, there was a promise even then for humanity. That's for you. That's for me. That's for us. The promise was that there was seed that would be born from the mother of all living. Her name was Eve. And that seed, once he was born, he would crush the head of the serpent, the one who started it all. And that serpent would bruise his heel, but who wins? The one who steps on the head. And then that picture that this innocent animal, that a covering of skin would be provided for Adam and Eve. So too, that picture forwards into the life of Christ, who gives his life as a covering, who sheds his blood as a covering for our humanity. Therefore, the beauty of who we are, the beauty of who you are, embrace who you are. The beauty of being human, it's reflected in the totality of our brokenness and yet covered in the perfection of his redemption. Isn't that good? So if you want to overcome, I don't care where you come from, don't care what you've done, don't care what you've been through. If you want to overcome, be human. And in your humanity, let your walls down and embrace the perfection of Jesus who redeems you, who changes you, and who turns you into what you were created to be. And by doing that today, you ensure something that we cannot fathom nor understand. One day, these hearts, these souls, these minds, these bodies, one day, we return to a perfect garden, a perfect home, and you will see what you were truly meant to be. Father, we pray with humble hearts right now, recognizing that only you can redeem our brokenness. Only you can cover our shame. We are human. This is what it is. We will struggle and we will wrestle, but thank you for your grace, your redemption for Jesus. For just as then in Genesis 3, you covered sin and shame, so too you played that out to the fullness of all of history by sending your son Jesus. And for any person, both in this room today, a heart, a soul, a mind, a body, today who realizes, yeah, that's who I am. I'm human, but I need redemption. 
I need saving. For any person who genuinely feels that today, just as we witnessed in our service, as we sang about today, and as we heard, for that person, that soul today, give them the faith and the courage to cry out and to call out to Jesus, the one who saves us. In his name, amen. A powerful word for you on how you can overcome whatever comes your way. And it's okay to be human. And I want to thank you today. The room is full and it will continue, I know, to, to be full as we continue to see our lives changed by the perfect one, by the Son of God. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful for you as our online family. And here's what I know many of you. You were not connected to us before, but God has done a sovereign work to allow you to connect to us now. And you matter. And even you, you need to overcome. You can overcome. Even in the midst of humanity, by his divinity, you can become who he's created you to be. Thank you all for your faithfulness during this season by giving. You've been faithful to do that. Some of you, you've been impacted and affected and therefore be patient and we pray and we encourage one another to make it through this season. But for those of you who've been capable and you've been faithful with your offerings, thank you for doing that. And as you leave, you can continue to do that. We have ushers in the front and a box and a basket in which you can continue to do that. And likewise, for those of you online, you can see through our website and our links how to do that. This allows us to continue to grow together, to share words that will change lives that truly will impact our world in the days ahead. And through this series, as we overcome, we will learn how not to be bitter, but to be better. How to continue to overcome because of who he is. So in this moment, for those of you that are here, we love your kids, we love your home. And so uh, as you get home, you will be able to see um, our link to our jumpstart for your families. We want to invest in your children through this day, even though things are weird. And for those of you who are online, you can have your kids tune in right now with Pastor Stephen. But it's been a good day, hasn't it? It's been worth your time. And so now, may the Lord God bless you. May he keep you. May his face smile upon your humanity. May he show you grace. And may he give you peace. Until we see you again, God bless you all my human friends. Amen.